Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew here tonight. As we bring you Talking in Circles tonight, we're going to go over our Toyota report cards and also talk about some of the silly season that's popped up some of the announcements that happened uh, over the last week. We're going to give our take on it. Starting with the news of the night, really, for uh, the Cup Series, if you're a fan of Joe Gibbs Racing, there's been some crew chief announcements made here uh, in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and especially the NASCAR Cup Series, one affecting its major driver, Kyle Busch. Uh, Adam Stevens has been Kyle Busch's crew chief since the 2015 season, has moved on. He will crew chief Christopher Bell uh, in the 20 car this year. Um, ben Bashore, who comes up from the NASCAR Xfinity Series, will be Kyle's crew chief. Also, um, Jason Ratcliffe, who was the crew chief for Christopher Bell this year at Levine Family Racing, has moved it back down to the Xfinity Series. He'll be the crew chief for Harrison Burton, who was Bashore's crew chief. Uh, Bashore was his crew chief last year. Chris Gabehart, who worked with um, the 20 team last year, and driver Eric Jones will be the crew chief in the number 54 car in the Xfinity Series. And Dave Rogers will stay at the 18 team, but Daniel Hemrick will be the full-time driver there. So really, not a lot of uh, changes other, other than that. As far as the other three Cup Series, our other two Cup Series teams, not a lot of changes. Um, the the two Cup Series teams that weren't affected was obviously Martin Truex Jr. and James Small, who they had a crew chief change there a year ago, and two years ago they made a crew chief change over there at the 11 team with uh, Chris Gabehart and Denny Hamlin. And Denny Hamlin won seven races this year, had a really good year. And Truex, I don't think they want to change that yet. But were you surprised, uh, Spencer, when you saw the news of uh, Adam Stevens, who Kyle is very, very high of, has had a lot of – probably the best, most success of his career with any crew chief was with Adam Stevens. Were you surprised when you saw today that Joe Gibbs announced that they made a crew chief change for Kyle Busch for 2021? Well, I guess you could say that. But, I mean, I saw something on Twitter, you know, it might have been a couple of days ago where – you know, it was possible that there was going to be some kind of change over there. Um, you know, if I was a Kyle Busch fan, I would sit here and wonder why. I mean, I am not a Kyle Busch fan. I'm sitting here run, wondering why. Um, you know, I, I would I would sure hate to see it be the reason for, you know, the lack of success this year. Um, which, I mean, he still won a race. You know, they ran somewhat. You know, it's not like they ran, you know, tail end of the pack. It's they just weren't there competing for wins like they normally are. And, you know, I don't think if it's for that, I would say that is a piss poor call. I wouldn't separate, you know, to, you know, that it just doesn't make sense to separate something that's so good. Um, it's worked, you know, you know, it was just an off year for me, you know, that's all. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure Penske, yeah, I know Penske's smarter than that. Um, not to separate them two just because of the lack this year. Um, you know, they still they still made the playoffs. They still want to race. But I guess, you know, some things, some th- some things just have to happen. 
You know, look at Jimmy Johnson, Chad Canals. They stopped running good for really three years, um, and something had to be done. That This is a different case. Um, so I'm not sure really why. You know, it, it doesn't really make sense to me why they would do that. Um, I didn't see a need to do that, but – you know, um, you know, I am I'm a big believer. I'm sure both of you guys know I've said on the show, I'm a big fan of change. You know, change can go a long ways. You know, you tweak something up and boom, you got a whole other ball game. So not really surprised, I'm just wondering why. Kind of kinda of doesn't make sense to me, but I'm sure the change they'll be fine. It might take them a little bit to get off, you know, to get going. Um, uh, but we'll just have to see when the green flag drops, I guess, in Daytona and See, you never know. They can get together and just click, and you know we might not even see an issue. Might not even be tell. Might not even be able to tell. Um, you know that there's a different guy on top of the box. For sure, and that is certainly possible. And and you know Adam Stevens, and when he got to Kyle Busch, Philip, it was kind of a uh, a move that a lot of people were like, well, you know, this guy came up from the Xfinity Series. He never really had any Cup experience, but. You know, five wins in 2015 on the 25 race schedule, four wins in 2016, five wins in 2017, eight in 2018, and uh, five in 2019, and he won two championships in that time period and didn't finish out of the top five. So coming into this year, you know, obviously the lack of practice, the lack of qualifying has really hurt Joe Gibbs Racing. And I wonder, Philip, if the lack of practice and lack of qualifying for 2021 that was announced had a lot of to do with this because I don't think you could have gone into – uh, another year where Kyle Busch was struggling, like we saw in 2020. Um, with And now that you have lack of practice, if, if they announced, hey, we're going to have practice in 2021, I think they would have been more comfortable staying with it, saying, okay, that was kind of a fluke year. But they can't go with the – make a risk of having Kyle Busch non-competitive pretty much for the entire year like they did with Adam Stevens. I think Adam Stevens is a really good crew chief. I think if I'm uh, Christopher Bell, I'm jumping for joy today. And – what are your thoughts, Philip? I mean, it, it just, to me, it was surprising because Kyle's career before Adam Stevens was very, very good, but it was very inconsistent, and he found the consistency he needed with Adam Stevens. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it. It's been out there for a few weeks, uh, and they, that, oh, they're going to separate them, and they were talking about it when they won Texas, but... It doesn't, like Spencer said, it doesn't make any sense really to me either. Um, I get you have one bad year. Um, I look at the one comparison I can come up with is Dale Earnhardt and uh, Kirk Shelmerdine, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, They won four championships together, and then 92 happened, and they didn't even finish in the top 10 in points. And at that, before the end of the year, uh, they were looking elsewhere, but also Kirk Shelmerdine decided he wanted to drive and uh, Richard Childerson wanted him to and all that. And I mean, it's going back and we could probably talk about more about that later once we get into the off season full force, but I really don't get it. I don't get what the game is here. I mean, if they were going to pull the plug, they should have pulled the plug weeks ago and they should have just sent Adam Stevens over to the 2311 team, and that would have been something. Um, I, as you said about Chris Bell, if I'm Chris Bell right now, I have I, the the 20 teams prospects have improved exponentially uh, right now, just based on this change. Um, honestly, I think I would have rather had Ben Bayshore go over 
and work with Bubba than what they have with, with Wheeler. Um, I think Wheeler could have came back and worked with Kyle Bush. I think Wheeler and him have experience together from the Xfinity series. I know that Bayshore has been over there uh, working on the 54 and before, and then I, I forget which, I think he was on the 20 car last year, last couple of years. So there's, I mean, there, I, I mean, it, it is, you could say whatever. I mean, all these teams, they keep on doing these crew chief swaps. So what they're looking at is what Penske did. And Penske swapped all three crew chiefs. Two of them, two of the teams made the final four. Um, at times during the final race, both of those cars were the best, had the best car. But they didn't win the championship, of course. And then Ryan Blaney had the best year he's had as a Cup Series driver. And then there's been history before with Hendrick and other teams, RCR, making changes. I, when Kyle Busch, you understand how temperamental he is and how he's basically li- likely to go off. Uh, they must believe Ben Bayshore can keep him c- in control um, and that this is a long-term move. I think they're looking at it long-term and that maybe they needed to separate him. Uh, you know, Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson almost got separated before they did everything that they did, the vast majority of what they did. Um, you know, so there, there's, there is a precedent. Uh, I don't think that it's the right call, but I'm. That's why we're doing this here. And Rev Gibbs is able to go and do his sermons at Charlotte every race, and he's got millions of dollars, and they're going to have an eight-car team soon enough. So. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. If I'm Chris Beldo, I'm definitely happy. And his prospects uh, to to find to not only win a race next year, but a championship uh, look a lot better here uh, in 2021. And you mentioned it, uh, Ben Deshore, what his uh, history is at Joe Gibbs Racing. Let's discuss that a little bit here. Um, and I think this is part of the reason why you saw the move that you did. You know, his crew career really started in the Xfinity Series in 2019. He ran uh, a car that was had a lot of different drivers in it in 2019. He led that team, won four races with them. Kyle Busch, he was four for seven with Kyle Busch in 2019. Then he took over Harrison Burton's car this year in 2020, won four races. And again, that was a rookie driver coming from the Xfinity Series. From, from, excuse me, coming from the Truck Series, a rookie driver in the Xfinity Series had a really good year with Harrison Burton this year. I know Harrison looked at it. You say eighth in points. But remember, he didn't have a ton of success at KBM's truck a year ago, so a lot of people were expecting him to sort of learn in this Xfinity Series, and he really won four races and did a very good job. But prior to all that, he was an engineer on an 18 car, and I think they went with somebody who's got a working relationship with Kyle that knows Kyle, understands his temperament, understands that you know finishing third is not good enough for Kyle Busch. And um, I think that was a smart move on their part, not going with somebody completely raw. They didn't go back to the Dave Rogers, which who had been there for a while, which was an option, or Jason Ratcliffe. I think Kyle wanted a fresh young engineer that he's worked with before, and Ben Bashore is certainly that guy. So you're, you're right, Philip. We, we touched on the crew chief changes a year ago at Team Penske. We kind of scratched our heads at it at Team Penske, saying, why would you move Paul Wolf away from uh, Brad Keselowski? Why would you move Todd Gordon, who was a year removed from a championship with Joey Logano? away from Joey Logano, and it turned out to be very, very good for Brad Kozlowski and uh, pretty much that whole entire organization. So um, you're right, these teams sort of have it figured out a little bit, but it is going to be interesting to keep an eye on 
um, as the season rolls along because, again, Adam Stevens was the guy. You know, I think a lot of people looked at Adam Stevens as he was the guy that figured out the consistency for that 18 car, and now they've moved him. Now the interesting part is he's not too far away. He's going to work at a 20 car. I guess they feel maybe if, if you know, a crew chief change needs to be made in the middle of the year to bring Stevens back, if this totally goes haywire, they can make a quick change, put Ventura back at, at the 20 car, and Stevens at the 18 if they have to do that again. Um, so it's very interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, guys, there was a lot of silly season news this week, and uh, one that really surprised a lot of people. And I'll start with uh, Philip with this one, and then we'll go to Spencer on this one. Uh, one that surprised a lot of people, and I heard on, on SiriusXM NASCAR radio today uh, that Jerry Freeze, the general manager of Front Row Motorsports, was on there. And it sounded like he was even surprised about the move that John Hunter Nemechek, who drove the number 38 car a year ago, um, is out at Front Row Motorsports. Sounds like John Hunter is going to have another got, got, has other plans. He's sort of left, I think, on his own uh, fruition here. And I think he kind of sat there and said he wanted to do something else um, for the 2021 season. But kind of surprising. Were you surprised to see that, Philip? I mean, I think when we all saw John Hunter go here a year ago, we said, okay, he's going to go there for a couple of years, learn how to run Cup, then make the next move his next move. Had a pretty good year last year. Definitely got into got um, you know got in some accidents, but I think there were some some flashes of real brilliance there. And they were really looking forward to, I think, capitalizing on a second year with John Hunter Nemechek, but that's not the case here in 2021. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was surprising to me. I mean, we were talking about, you know, other things that are going on with the show. And then since you're basically the front row motorsports whisperer, I'm like, what's going on here? Uh, you know, what what's the deal with John Hunter leaving? He had enough idiots who were saying, oh, well, at least they won't be wrecking as many cars. And I'm like, you know that Michael McDowell is there, um, and he wrecks plenty of cars. And his fame claim to fame is getting his butt kicked by Daniel Suarez and right-rearing Bubba Wallace and then trying to eat it in 2008 at, at Texas in a COT car. I mean, that's his whole entire Cup Series career. Um and you're going to talk about John Hunter Nemechek, who ever since he's been at that team, took over for Matt Tift, immediately improved that car at least five to seven positions uh, per race, basically. Then this year, he was good early in the year. As middle of the season came on, it seemed like they kind of fell off and he was pushing a little bit. And the one thing that's been consistent with John Hunter Nemechek is he's he's liable to, to wreck a little bit, or he's going to push really hard. And I would say that I would rather have that kind of guy and somebody who has a future in this sport driving your race cars than somebody who's a never will be, which most of the time at Front Row Motorsports, that's what they've done. Um, I'm curious to see who they're going to put in the car at this point. There really is nobody outside of like Ty Dillon or some, you know, some other ride buyer that might exist. Um, I don't think Ty Dillon's going to go and leave to go to a Ford, but I don't think that would be a bad idea for Front Row Motorsports, honestly. Um, for John Hunter, from what I've – there's two ideas. I mean, you had one idea that made sense, and then there's another thing I saw uh, out there that also makes sense relative to the, you know, our previous discussion about Joe Gibbs and 2311. And, uh, I mean, for, for John Hunter, he hasn't – had a top-flight ride in in NASCAR full-time. He's always been underfunded, lower-funded 
efforts, but he's made the most out of them. And for whatever rumor that might be there, that it sounds like it would be a better option than what he would be doing driving a front row motorsports car. Um, if one of those things comes off. So uh, under that logic, it's not a bad idea. Um, it's he's betting on himself um, versus just driving around 25th every week. Um, there's, there's the notion we're going to talk about that in the little grading system here in, in a little bit, but would you rather run 25th in cup and be irrelevant unless you hit the wall? Or are you trying to run in the top five or top 10 and contend for championships in a lower series? That's really the uh, discussion that we might be having here soon enough about John Hunter. And I'm also curious on who they're going to find at this point in the uh, off season uh, to, to fill that 38 car. Yeah. Listen, that, that I think is the, you know, destroyed in the past. And I want to be completely open and honest a few years ago, and Philip probably remembers this better than Spencer, and it's probably more than a few now, uh, when Michael Walter Bracing got rid of David Rudiman, uh, they sort of did it with a year on David Rudiman's contract, and they kind of took, kicked him out about the end of October and told him, hey, you're not going to have a ride for next year at the end of October. They replaced him with Mark Martin. And I always felt like that was kind of a low blow to Rudiman because at that time, at the end of October, and how things normally work pre-COVID, uh, end of October is very late into the silly season. And so there wasn't a whole lot of rides for David Rudiman to sort of bounce back from, and he had to go in, into some some really uh, lower-budgeted, underfunded rides, and it really, in my opinion, ended his career. Uh, and I don't like when teams, or drivers for that matter, sort of take off when they have a contract or at least a handshake agreement, but things happen. Um, so, I, you know, it's not the, the greatest thing in the world, but if John Hunter felt like he had a better opportunity where he could go out and win races, okay. Um, I do think there's – I've heard, and I, I saw it on Twitter, uh, and I do think this is this is halfway uh, uh, at least correct from what I'm, I'm hearing is Cobbush Motorsports is going to try and shake up their truck series program, uh, both with the crew chief and the driver driver rule. And I think John Hunter Nemechek, well, we know they're going to shake up the crew chief program because Rudy Frugal is going to the cup series, uh, but both on the driver's side too. So I think you could see John Hunter go there in the truck series and maybe think that might propel him. There's also now we read that we learned today that the 54 car in the Xfinity series for Joe Gibbs is going to be sort of an all-star car that they call it. And Chris Gale is going to be the crew chief there. Uh, you have to wonder if, if that has John Hunter Nemechek's name written on it, at least part-time when Kyle Busch is in it. Maybe uh, Ty Gibbs might run a few races in that car and John Hunter runs a few races in that car. So uh, I could see him doing that and thinking if he has success, he can propel into a 2311 ride here in 2022 or 2023 if they get their legs under him here in a year or two. So I think this move was for John Hunter was five years down the road. And, again, I'm speculating here. Nothing's official yet uh, if that's what it was. But that's what it sounds like, at least on Twitter from what I read and, and what I'm trying to, to put together here. Um, I think that could be a good option for him with just everything that's sort of figured out here. Even in the uh, Xfinity series, there's not a lot of uh, things going on. But, Spencer, I'm going to go to you on this. Who do you think the 38 can hire? Again, you know, it puts Front Row Motorsports in a little bit of a, of a murky situation. I'm not thrilled that, 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 that he had to do that. You know, I'm sure he had a handshake contract saying, hey, I'm going to drive this 38 car for 2021. And, again, I know things come up and you got to do what you got to do. And, and moments like this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a driver. But it puts Front Row Motorsports in a really, really tough spot because a lot of the drivers who 
could have potentially driven that car for 2021 are now signed somewhere to go. So what are your thoughts on uh, Front Row Motorsports, and where do you think they're going to go for this 38 car? Well, as far as the John Hunter deal, um, I sure hope he has a ride, you know, as far as having a job signed up and nothing's released yet, because that'd be real, real dumb to leave a cup team, you know, that, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll get into grades later. So that they're not, you know, they've worked up and they've gotten, you know, somewhat decent enough um, to where, you know, you're a young rookie. It wouldn't be a bad spot to go. Um, but quitting, you know, quitting your job without having anything lined up, that's not a smart decision. I don't care if it's race cars, you know, receptionist, uh, anything you, you work. Any job you do, no, I don't think anybody would quit their job before they had something else lined up. Um, you know, like Phillips said, you, do you want to run 20th every weekend um, or go down to a lower series? And it just goes to show that John Hunter's there to win. You know, the pay difference, I don't care if you're at Front Row Cup or KBM Trucks, the pay at Front Row is still way better. I mean, it's the Cup Series. Um you know, their you know, their budgets are higher and I'm not in their financial room, but I would assume that Matt Tiff still made more at front row cup team than he would at KBM trucks. Um, but I could, I could be totally wrong. Um, but if he does that, he takes a massive pay cut, but he's there to win. And, you know, he's still young. He grew up around racing and I think he's more, I want to win championships and win races more than have the money. You know, I'm sure John Hunter's not broke. Um, you know, he's been around enough. He's gotten paychecks from people. I'm sure he has money. But it just goes to show you that these young kids, um, they want to they race. They want to win. And it's not all about money. So, as far as who Front Row would hire, I'd have to say Corey LaJoy. He's already familiar with the Ford. Um, as soon as uh, Phillips said Ty, I was like, there's no way he goes to Ford. Um, I mean, look who his dad is. Richard Childress, his brother's raced for Chevy. He's raced for Chevy. Um, I think he's been Chevy his whole career. He had to have been. Um, so him going to Ford is tough, but yet again, he's old enough. He has a wife, he has two kids, um, or one on the way. Either way, he's going to have two kids if he hasn't had the second one. Um, you know, he has a family to support. You know, I don't care who your grandfather is. He still might be Richard Childress, but, you know, you're a man and you have to support a family. Um, so, you know, if the tie, if they was to ask him and he don't have a ride, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't turn it down or he might go run an Xfinity car somewhere. But the question is where, so if it, it is based off manufacture and I would have to say Corey LaJoy, you know, he raced for go fast. He already has Ford, you know, tie-ins with Ford, obviously um, knows how the cars work. And I don't think Corey LaJoy would be a bad guy to throw in there for a year. And, you know, Corey LaJoy could have that other mediocre year and something huge can come for him down the road. So uh, that would be the smartest thing for front row to try to pick up him. Yeah, listen, I, I think LaJoy, if he's an option, is certainly uh, the favorite to get this ride. But the question is, is he an option? You know, there's been talk that he had a sort of a deal, and it's nothing official, with with Spire worked out. That was a lot of people pointing towards Corey LaJoy as a, one of the Spire motorsports drivers this year. And so uh, I'm not sure if he was even an option at this point. It's just so late in the game, and that's the problem with this. It, it puts him in an interesting spot. An interesting name that I would kick around, and the only reason why I'm kicking this name around is is because he had, at least in the past, I'm not sure where his 
where he is right now, a deal with Ford. And Ford might sit there at the end here in November and say, listen, we don't really have anything for this guy. We know he's a very good race car driver. He's just got to get put in the right situation. We'll worry about 2022 and 2022. But for next year, we want to get Tomajeski something and keep him in NASCAR. And, yeah, he hasn't had a ton of success yet, but let's put him in the 38 car and just see, see where it goes. Keep him there for a year, and then we can work the rest, you know, see how he does, get him some experience, and see where it goes. Sort of like what happened with Brett Moffitt when Brett Moffitt took the 34 car over when David Reagan left for the 18 a bunch of years ago. So uh, I think that's the name to kick around, but it certainly is very, very interesting uh, that it's just so late in the game, and I'm not sure who Front Row has on their radar um, but, you know, Corey LaJoy certainly is a name. Uh, I think Ty Dillon, I do think Ty Dillon is an option just because he might not have too many options out there right now for the 2021 season, um, you know, with his ride going away with Jermaine Racing. So he might sit there and go, listen, I don't care. I'm going to drive. I know my grandfather is a Chevrolet guy through and through. He had a car that was sponsored by Chevrolet for 25 years. Um, and he's loyal brand of Chevy, but I got to do what's best for Ty Dillon. And at the end of the day, going, going to the 38 keeps his career alive. He might go there. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Uh, crazier things have happened. Who would have thought we'd see Tony Stewart in a Toyota, for, for example? You know, that's just one of, of many, many examples. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. 917-889-8280. We'll certainly break all that news when it comes out about the 38 car, where John Hunter goes uh, moving forward. But, uh, Spencer, I'll start with you on this. And, again, this is something that was announced today. Bush Clash eligibility uh, announced in Hold your breath because there's 24 drivers eligible for the 2021 Bush Clash. I'll name, bring them off real quick. Uh, Eric Amarola, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Clint Boyer, Chris Buescher, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Cole Custer, Matt Benedetto, Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Eric Jones, Matt Kenseth, Brad Kozlowski, Joey Logano, Ryan Newman, Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Martin Truex Jr. So, a lot, of, a lot of names. Uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but there's four drivers who are on that list that currently don't have anything lined up for the 2021 season. Ty Dillon, J- uh, Jimmy Johnson, we know what his deal is. Cliff Boyer's retiring. And then, of course, you have Matt Kenseth as well retiring. I'll be interested to see if NASCAR makes a mulligan rule and puts you know those cars that, that those guys were in into the race. But that's a discussion for another day. But uh, what were your thoughts, Spencer, when you saw the uh, Bush Clash drivers announced here i know that's close to your home there in daytona daytona's where speed weeks is obviously i'm sure if if they allow fans in the grandstands you'll be there at that race uh but what are your thoughts on the uh bush clash eligibility when you saw it today i didn't see the need of having all those different uh what would you say titles i guess to or um things that got you into it i mean if you add the playoff drivers there's 16 right there so they, i think they just had too much you know too many um eligibilities that would allow you to get in i guess you could say however you would word that um but that's a lot it's going to be interesting to see what they do i mean i know that you know it's based off drivers so rpm they need to prepare a car for the clash you know we've seen that in the past i can't remember who it is or who it was a couple of years ago when they went to a new team, um, they had to prepare a car and it was a smaller team. Um, we saw Spire do it with McMurray firing the Ganassi deal in the 40 car. We saw them have to prepare a car. RPM is going to have to get a car ready. And that's the team that's normally not in the clash. So, um, 
So I don't know if they just cut the field down by four or how they would throw in guys. It's going to be kind of crazy to see how that works with, you know, three, you know, four of them that won't be in it because uh, they're they're done. Um, they've retired. or So it's going to be um, kind of weird to see how they do that, what they're going to do. Are they going to allow those cars? If that's the case, Kyle Larson is eligible um, because he's technically taken over the 48. So I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of wishy washy. So um, I think they they do too much, you know, with the pole winners, past 500 champions, past 500 pole winners, playoffs, um, former clash winners. I could be missing one. The damn list is so long. Make it simple: playoff and past clash winners. The Daytona 500 ain't the clash. It has nothing to do with it. Eliminate that. Get it out of here. Um, so make it simple. I think the list just gets longer and longer. It seems like they get longer and longer every year. So um, next year they'll have most career cup wins. I mean, they'll just start – I think – I swear the list gets longer every year. They add something that allows you to get into it. But I understand what their point is. It's fun. It kicks off speed weeks. Um, let's just get cars on the racetrack and start it and get the 2021 season to get uh, underway. So – it's going to be, yeah, the main thing is just seeing how they get those four cars filled or what they're going to do there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it'll be on a road course this year, too, which is uh, a little bit different for the Bush Clash. But I'll read off the eligibility rules for you, and then I'll go to get Phillips' take on this. Uh, 2020 Bush Pole winners, which we had a, a three or four races with qualifying this year, so those guys got in. Rick, that's how Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got in because he took the pole for the Daytona 500. And that makes sense because it was 2020 Daytona 500. Past Bush Clash winners that competed full-time in 2020. Daytona 500 champions who competed full-time in 2020. Former Daytona 500 Bush pole winners who competed full-time in 2020. 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoff drivers. 2020 NASCAR Cup Series race winners. I didn't even see that one. And 2020 NASCAR Cup Series stage winners. Uh, I'm telling you. Philip, that's, yeah. uh, Dale Jr. had a tremendous tweet a couple of years ago. He said something to the nature of, there used to be this race called the Bush Clash where the pole winners got together and ran a 20-lap event. It was awesome. Uh, my thing, thing with this was is at this point, you might as well make it a 37th race on a schedule, Put make it a 300-mile race, throw them around the road course and say, go at it, boys, and just invite everybody because you've got 24 guys in this race. And I do think, and, and people will think I'm crazy by saying this, I do think Larson, Briscoe, and uh, the other guy who's uh, Ross Chastain as well, who's replacing Kenseth, I do think they will figure out a way to get those guys into the race, and they'll probably say 2020 is dramatic, et cetera, et cetera. Something, it's a, you know, uh, unforeseen circumstance yeah. of 2020. We want to get these guys get some kind of, some kind of deal. So, uh, it to me, they started fudging with this format, you know, about 10 years ago when they did the manufacturers with that whole disaster. Um, what are your thoughts on on the Bush Clash eligibility and uh, your take on that? Yeah, I mean, Spencer is getting to it. I think there's going to be another requirement, eligibility requirement. If you have a NASCAR podcast or you talk about NASCAR on a podcast, <laughs> you're going to be eligible for the Bush Clash uh, within the next three years. Um, if you drive a, a sedan that sort of looks like uh, the Gen 7 car, um or you have something that pushes like a dump truck, you'll be eligible for the Bush Clash. Um, if you have wrecked a, a vehicle that looks like something that's been wrecked at Daytona in the last five years, you'll be eligible 
for the Bush Clash. Um, Michael Waltrip's hairdo will be eligible. Uh, him, all it's like I can. Can we just hire everybody from Michael Waltrip Racing? That's that anybody that's been involved with Michael Waltrip Racing is going to be eligible too for the Bush Clash. Like what the fuck? Like uh, this is ridiculous. I'm sorry. I, I can't. It's a joke. Um, Bush Clash has become a waste of time anyway. Um, they had the right idea when they brought it back to the daytime. That was nice. The race was too long. Now you're going to have it on the road course at night. So you're basically going to show these crappy cars before they go to this Gen 7 car, which is basically a V8 supercar. Um, that'll probably be much better on the road course. Um, I would rather they would not put that stupid chicane uh, in the runoff coming into the tri-oval before the tri-oval, let them go and run it. If the frickin' brakes fail, let them go and go through the straightaway. Who cares? You know, let's... If it's a bush clash, let's go and... Yeah, screw it. You know, like, that would be something. They they really need to just go back to what it was. Uh, you know, if you want to pull, the way they could have done it is this is simple. This is as simple as it can get. If you want to pull in 2019 or any like the four or five races they qualified this year, you you make the Bush Clash. Otherwise, we'll see on Wednesday morning when you get to practice for the Daytona 500 or, or whatever it is, because now everything's condensed within a week anyway. Um, I mean, you, me, and Jermaine Dupree could go and be in the Bush Clash now. It's it's I, I feel like I could, my Kia, if I go and wrap it a certain way, would be eligible for the Bush Clash. Uh, it's it's a joke. And 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 the the point that you made uh, about I figure you know uh, Larson, Briscoe, Chastain because there there's certain guys that aren't going to be there or may not have a ride. Uh, they're going to be in this race too. Um, the, the the like oh you won a stage like come on really. I mean, you want to stage. Yep. Oh, that means you need to be in a bush clash. You know, the playoff drivers thing, it's like, okay, we you probably make it in based on the winners. Like, oh, so we don't have Matt Burrito in the freaking race. Oh, big, big, I mean, outside of Reddit, what the hell does it matter? Uh, Matt Burrito doesn't make the freaking race. Or Eric Almirola. Nobody's missing Eric Almirola. People don't know Eric Almirola's right. on the racetrack half the time anyway. Um, Clint Boyer, yeah, he's in the booth. I mean, are, are they expecting Clint Boyer to get a car and he can go and run the race and he can yell and scream and be an idiot like he usually is driving a car? He's done that for the last three years and he didn't do anything in it. Like, what do you want him to do, wreck the field? That would be cool. He does that on the computer. He can go and do it in real life. That would actually make the Bush Clash uh, watchable if he went out there and just did a demo derby and Jeff Gordon would go and trip over himself. That would be something, but uh. Well, and, and I think what you're touching on is, is certainly something that is, I understand. I, I think they, they try and get everybody in the race. They're like, oh, we don't want one big name driver, one big sponsor be out of the race. But, you know, when you fudge the rules, like it, it just makes it, to me, it just makes the race like who cares at the end of this point. And, and I'm almost embarrassed for the teams when they go out and tweet like, oh, we're in a Bush shootout. Well, no duh. Or we're in a, uh, the Bush class. Well, no duh. Everybody's in the Bush class. Like they're excited that they actually accomplished something. Well, no doubt, everybody's in the Bush class, so you should be in the Bush class because if you're a team that's running 20th or better in the last two, two or three years, you're in the Bush class, you know. 
Uh, there's got to be a better way. And, and, you know, I would have been okay with maybe somebody, you know, trying to keep the speed aspect of it. Listen, we didn't have pull, we didn't have pull winners all year last year. You know, we do pull winners. We do pass shootout winners. We do people who ran the fastest lap in each race. Um, we, we put those into, put them into a race. And if you wanted to do uh, something, that, you know, add another little eligibility wrinkle into that, I would have been okay with that. Or even past 6,500 pole winners, I would have been like, okay, at least they, they did, you know. But the rest of it, I think, is just kind of, it, it meshes it all. It doesn't have a theme. You've got to keep a theme for this race, in my opinion. And I think that's where uh, the theme sort of, that's why this race has sort of been looked at as almost a joke the last decade. Um, interesting little tidbit, and I want to just mention this before we move on about the Bush Clash. And Bob Pachris gets credit for this because he tweeted this. According to Bob Pachris, uh teams that have a charter are are it's mandatory that they run into in the Bush Clash. And I mentioned that because there was some talk that from some people saying, well, maybe if this team has a driver that's eligible, you know, if Ty Dillon goes run run Spire, for example, this year. Will Spire be forced to run that? Will Spire be able to run that race? Will they get a car prepared in time for him with everything that's going on? Or for motorsports, if Ty Dillon gets hired, time to prepare a car? Well, they, with their charter, they're forced to run the Bush Clash, so they have to do that. And we saw a team a couple of years ago, this was before I think the, the charter situation was instituted, where AJ Allmendinger and JTG had qualified for the Bush Clash and elected to skip it because they didn't want to tear up a race car in preparation for the Daytona 500. And it bumped, I think, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. into the field. And I think that kind of annoyed NASCAR with that because I think they looked at it and said, what are we really learning at that point? The money to pay for not winning, you know, isn't really matching up with the race car. So uh, interesting little wrinkle I just kind of wanted to throw in there for everybody. If, if you're wondering if, if some of these teams might think about uh, skipping the Bush Clash and they have a charter, uh, according to Bob Pockers, they're not allowed to do that. Okay, guys, something we've been uh, touting on this show all night been wanting to get to and we're going to do just the Toyota teams tonight because of time constraints everything's just been going on there's been a lot of uh, silly season news and we're going to get to a little bit more later after report cards Jeb Burton of course going to call league I want to get the guys takes on that as well and maybe even if we have time to talk about Carl Long and what he opened up this week on Sirius XM NASCAR radio which which got a lot of play on Twitter and we certainly want to discuss that but let's go to the Toyota report cards right now we're going to do the cup guys but we'll start with Joe Gibbs racing uh, and I'll start it off, guys, with Denny Hamlin. Uh, Denny Hamlin, seven wins, 18 top fives, 21 top tens. You know, um, I thought he had a very had a pretty good year, but there was some inconsistency. One little note, he had one win in the playoffs, Denny Hamlin, and that came at Talladega. Uh, so it seemed like things this team had, had a really good middle part of the year, but some weird things popped up for this 11 car, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, to me, that affected their grade. I'm going to go with a B-plus for Denny Hamlin. He won seven races, which is something that you can't stick a stick at. But just the inconsistency, especially in the playoffs, really brought this 11 car down. Uh, I'll start with you, Philip. Then, we'll then we'll go to Spencer for Denny Hamlin. What grade did Denny Hamlin get for you? Uh, to me, I, I look at it's one of his better years of his career. And, um, you know, seven wins, you can't. Uh, say you can't downgrade that. You know, it's kind of we're going to talk about that in the Ford section with Kevin Harvick later um, in another episode. But to me, it, it, for Denny Hamlin, he's set up a team, and I think in that sense, he's able to bring in a new person into this sport and invest in there, and he's got a future theoretically as an owner 
for that, I I look at it as a whole. I'm not just considering Denny Hamlin as a driver. I'm considering Denny Hamlin as a whole uh, situation there. Uh, but for him at this point, it's about the championship. He gets to the final four after winning seven races, albeit he only won one in the playoffs. And frankly, he wasn't that consistent. He didn't really do as well as he had in the regular season. Um, I, I give him a B minus. Uh, it's you, you look at the regular season and probably been an A, A minus, whatever. Wins another Daytona 500, third Daytona 500, two in a row. He's like he could go out there and win the third straight Daytona 500 in February. But for for Denny Hamlin at this point, he has to win a title. Other than that, what what is the point anymore for him? He's won 40-plus races in this sport. He has no no championship. There's literally only two people ahead of him that haven't won a championship. Um, he's maybe hoping he's going to become Junior Johnson, but I definitely doubt he's going to do that. But um, I'll say B-. minus. How about you, Spencer? Uh Denny Hamlin, we talked about, you know, he like Philip said, won a Daytona 500, won seven races. What grade are you giving Denny Hamlin for his 2020 season? When you look at wins, uh, you know, how could you not go with an A? But then you look at, you know, he's been to the Final Four twice uh, now, and he's yet to come out, he's yet to come with the hardware. And then you look at what you just said, one win in the playoffs in the 12th, and the playoffs is a 10 race thing. Um, so you got a kid, you know, it's an, everything goes into one and you get an average. Um, you know, it's hard to give a guy an A when you don't win the championship. You know what I'm saying? But um, you go off your win, his win, it's an A. Uh, but you said there wasn't, there wasn't, he wasn't always consistent throughout the year. He started off the year with a win. Um, I'd probably have to go a B plus. Um, you know, like I said, you want you, you want to give somebody an A that has seven wins. Um, you know, there's not too many guys this year that will get an A. Um, you know, quite frankly, I don't even think the champion gets an A. So, um, so yeah, I'd probably have to go with a B plus. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair. I think that's a fair grade. I think even where Philip has them is pretty fair. It just like like you said, regular season, Philip. I think, you know, when we ended the regular season, I think if you told me that Denny was going to get a B, I would have been a B plus. I'd be like, no way. He's had a great year. But it just seemed like, for whatever reason, they had weird stuff pop up, especially in the playoffs, and they just weren't as consistent as they needed to be. That's where he falls for a B plus for me. Next, I'm going to go in number order here, guys. So uh, 11, 18, 19, and 20. So 18 next is Kyle Busch. Since I started with uh, Philip last time, I'll start with Spencer, but I'll, I'll start this one off here. Uh, Kyle Busch. Obviously, we know we talked at nauseum about his season. Uh, one win this year, 14 top fives, 20 top tens. Not his worst season consist, uh, statistic, yeah. not his worst season statistically ever. That came in 2014, where he had nine top five finishes and 15 top tens, and, and he had uh, 2009 wasn't great either with consistency as well. But um, certainly his worst season under Adam Stevens, his worst season in a long time. Um, but he got his win at Texas, but where I'm going to give Kyle Busch a C just because he just, they just 
didn't have speed all year long. I think they've really figured it out, especially toward the end of the year. They got a lot better with their speed. But for about the first 25, uh, 26 races, it was a, t- a tough go of it as far as speed was concerned. So I give them a C. Where does Cobbush rank for you, uh, Spencer, before we go to Phillip? Yeah, I mean, I think you gave him a fair thing. Uh, and people are going to be like, oh, you gave Kyle Busch a C. Uh. Well, that's a compliment to Kyle Busch because he's been that phenomenal his whole career. And even with him winning one race, making the playoffs, you might, you know, you look at some other drivers, you might be like, that's a decent season. Make the playoffs, you win a race. That is how good Kyle Busch is, that we think he had a awful year winning one race and making the playoffs. It goes to show how good he is. So um, I'd say C minus. You know, he had a he just wasn't there. He was he was he, I don't know what else to say. He just wasn't there. Um, it wasn't the 18 team that we're used to seeing. They're used to going out, making the final four, running for a championship at Homestead and Phoenix, wherever they wherever they are, and um, winning races. And that wasn't the case this year. It took them till Texas to win a race, play playoff Texas. So um, yeah, and right there, you know couple couple races before the end of the year. So um, I'd say a C-minus. I can't give him in. That's just how good he is. And you have to you have to grade him low this year because he just that team was off. Right. And expectations, I think, play a lot into this. Um, and at least they did for me a little bit. And maybe not when we get to other teams, Toyota teams here later in the show that, that we'll, we'll grade. But, um, you know, Kyle Busch certainly, I think, Philip, his expectations, we all expect him to go out there, was a defending champion, at least put up a fight, and it just wasn't a great year for him. It cost Adam Stevens pretty much virtually his job. They wouldn't have made a change if, if Kyle was running really good in 2020. So where do you have Kyle Busch, Philip? What grade do you give him? Yeah, I agree with Spencer on the C-. minus. You're two-time champion, 50-plus cup wins. Uh, it's one of his worst seasons of his career. Um, you said – Clayton, you talked about 2014. That was a year where all of the Gibbs guys were garbage. The year before, Matt Kenseth contended for the championship. All of them, I think, won multiple races, uh, the three teams there. So that's when they started making the aero changes and engine changes to help Toyota, too, after the 2014 season. Um, C-minus, the guy's a two-time champion. You would expect him to perform uh, no matter the situation. We could get into semantics about his win at Texas was basically a combination of 550 rules package and fuel mileage and not really in track position. It really wasn't about actually being the best car uh, because, and then also the stupidity of how they ran the race and, had got Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin wrecked early because of rain. So the guy's a defending series champion. He was not a factor virtually the entire year. Uh, that That's a C-minus. It's a lot like Dale I mentioned Dale Earnhardt in 92. That's what it was. Um, and the same situation happened. The crew chief went and left. Or in this case, they sent him to another team. But... Uh, you know, he, he, who knows what Kyle Bush? I figure he'll come back. He'll be fine. It's Kyle Bush. They want Kyle Bush to run well. Yep. It works with the narrative. But right now he's a C minus because they didn't have a great year. No, I, I think that's fair for sure. 
Uh, moving on, I'm going to hold off until the end of this one. I don't want to sway the vote, I think, because I'm really curious to see where you guys go with this next guy. And that's Martin Truex Jr. Truex, one win on the year, which is very interesting because, you know, the previous four seasons he averaged just under six wins a year. So uh, one win this year in 2020, 14 top fives, 23 top ten finishes, finished seventh in the standings, did not make the final four. He made the final four the previous three seasons. Uh, and uh, for the last five years prior to 2020, he made the final four. Um, Philip, what's your grade on Martin Trix Jr.? Give him a C plus. Uh, I mean, we could get into how much uh, Cole Pern meant to him uh, in his career. I mean, honest to God, that's the reason why he still has a career. I mean, from 2015 to 2019, you look at how many wins he had, and it's virtually his whole entire deal. Um, if if Joe Gibbs doesn't put Barney Visser out of business, I think they're still winning races on a big clip. And uh, and I also think Colburn's still in the sport instead of, you know, moonlighting uh, with Indy cars and other things and running ski ski lifts and crap. But C+, plus, the, guy, the guy for the last four years has been one of the best drivers in the sport. And this year he was not a factor most of the year. Um, if Kyle Busch gets a C minus and he's a champion, it's his teammate. He's been running up there every year for the last four years. He needs to get a downgrade too. Uh, Toyotas in general were off, but the performance was just wasn't there. It's the worst. Uh, least amount of top fives he's had since 2016. Uh, top top 10s is similar to what he's had in general. Uh, led the least amount of laps since 2015. Uh, so, I mean, I think C-plus uh, with James Small. I don't think James Small is a bad crew chief by any means, but they definitely underperformed this year. And, and once you turn 40, it's it's hard for cup drivers to really perform after that. So it's a big deal for Truex to have this kind of downgrade the way he had um, and not really be a factor. So we'll see what happens in 2021. Yeah, and I'll say this, you know, and before we go to Spencer's grade about Truex, I was a little bit surprised, and I, I thought about it more, and I said I can understand in a way, but when they came out and announced today the Coochie change at Joe Gibbs Racing, I thought we might have seen one here. Um, and I know James Small only had one year here, but it was such a drastic fall off from as far as wins were concerned for Martin Schick Jr., but he did have a pretty good consistent year. Uh, you know, there was a, a point in the middle of the year where he had, I think, eight straight finishes, eight straight top five finishes, uh, led a lot of laps in that scenario too so he was close just couldn't get the victory lane um but my grade is very similar to yours it's not exactly that philip but what do you think spencer where do you rank and where do you, what do you got up for grade uh for martin Truex jr yeah he's um i'm in the ball in the in the probably this probably oh i mean you can't really give him any any uh more than Kyle Busch. I mean, you know, Truex's average uh, finish is 11.7. He had three DNFs this year um, and only one win. 
and that came in Martinsville. Um, I mean, it's just, I think it's just Toyota as a whole. Obviously, you see, um, you know, Kyle run the way he did, and then you have Truex. And, you know, he's somewhere right there about C plus, C minus, or C plus C. Um, you know, he just didn't get the job done. He, he didn't win as many stages as he normally does. He wasn't up leading races three quarters, you know, 75% of the race he led, you know. There's a lot of seasons where we see Truex up there leading. You're like, man, is anybody going to take him out the lead? He's just, he was that dominant. And you look, oh, is it, was it this crew chief change? It takes time for two people to get going. Um, so, you know, you can look at it and kind of blame it on that. Um, you know, obviously it's not the success that him and Cole Pern had, but next year is a new year. And him and James Small has a whole notebook for every racetrack they go to. They have their stats they have or not their stats they have their readings on what the car did um they have a notebook full of a lot of information that they can take over in the next year and you know the outcome can be a little different based off performance and success so um right there around you know c plus c um just kind of a bad year for truex yeah i have a b minus uh i thought it was a little bit better than i think you guys are giving a a credit for to be honest he was consistent um, but, yeah, for sure, it was a little bit of a disappointing year, and that's one I'm trying not to weigh my expectations too high there because, again, um, he was so good the last four years, five years with Cole Pern, that we expected this to sort of pick up right where they left off, and, and it was different. James Smalls was, was there, and, again, I think he's somebody to keep an eye on for 2021. That scene for James Smalls could be a little hot if things don't go in the right direction for Martin Truex Jr., but he had a pretty good year, which just wasn't great, so I got him at a B minus. Eric Jones is next, then we'll wrap up Joe Gibbs Racing. We'll go to the Levine family and then go on brothers. Then we're then we move on to other things as well. But Eric Jones here. Um drove the twenty car here for twenty twenty. Obviously, uh no wins, nine top fives, thirteen top ten finishes, finished seventeenth in the points. Uh got off to a uh had a four race stretch at the end of the year where he was really strong, but other than that Another season where it just seemed like consistency really lacked Eric Jones. Uh, you know, that, I think when I look back at his tenure here at Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, it just – he have some races where he looks like, okay, that 20 team is really going to find it. And then they'd have a couple of stinkers, and they're like, oh, boy, that 20 team is really struggling. Then all of a sudden they'd run really good again for a couple, two or three races. You go, oh, look, they look good. Then they can't find it for two or three races. You're like, man, what's going on with that 20 team? It just – it seemed like a seesaw the whole entire his whole entire career at Joe Gibbs Racing, and uh, 2020 was another sign of that. So before I give my grade, I'll, I'll go to you, Spencer. Then we'll go to Philip, Eric Jones. What he got for his grade? Uh, just another typical average year, I guess, for Jones in the 20. Um, you know, started the year off winning the clash you're like man you know starting the year off you know he's got this plate stuff figured out um you know you know a win right off the bat can you know bring a lot of momentum you're gonna do good and i think you said it you couldn't said it any better you know he'll have a good race and he'll he'll he has terrible luck he'll go into a turn he's running i don't know eight you're like oh he's making his way up and then blows the tire and hits the wall pocono gets loose in the turn and hits the wall i mean not that the guy can't catch a break. Um, I mean, it's not like Jones goes out and wins a lot of races every year anyways, so I would just have to give him a typical 
C plus. He has an average average finish of fifteenth. Um, and you got to kind of go, you know, you might be C plus. It's a little high. He didn't do nothing, but that's just his normal year. It's what he does every year. Um, so I mean, he hasn't really gotten worse or gotten any better. So I'm um, just kind of right there about C plus. Or How about you, Philip? I said. Uh, Spencer's got, Spencer's got him at a C plus. How about you, Philip? Where do you got Eric Jones? So I'll give him a C. Uh, I mean, it's an unfortunate deal that they're basically he's the R and he was in the R and D car, considering what TRD and everybody put into him, and Kyle Busch brought him to Toyota, and he basically was run out the door. Uh, the way he ran after they got eliminated kind of showed with him and Gale and all that. It's kind of probably why Chris Gale's on the all-star car with the Xfinity series that they actually had it. They actually have uh, the ability to perform. Uh, but, I mean, 17th in points because they got eliminated before the playoffs. You're in a Joe Gibbs racing car. You should be able to make the playoffs. Um, it's probably part of the reason why Suarez is where he is right now, you know, and we'll talk about him shortly. But um, I think Eric Jones, though, as a driver, uh, it's not the end by any means. I think next year is going to be a year where he's going to kind of hold and he's going to be able to perform in a way to get himself in a position to get back up to a top flight team based on his potential and ability. Um, even though he wasn't able to show that for at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, I do agree with you. I think Jones, uh, his we're we're still seeing the we still got to see the best from him uh, in his career. I give him a C minus, guys. I know Spencer was C plus. Philip was a C. I give him a C minus. Uh, you know, it was his fourth year in Cup already, and he just he almost regressed this year. I know he was a lame duck driver. And there was a lot of animosity, I'm sure, towards the end of that year. But, you know, it was not a great year for him. And he, and he had the same crew chief all four years there. I know he switched rides a couple of uh, – once there, going from the 77 to the 20. But um, this is not a great year. So I'll give him a C- minus there. Uh, Levine Family, that's next. Uh, you know, I, I read that uh, Joe Gibbs as a whole. You guys don't have to do this, but I'm just going to say Joe Gibbs as a whole this year had a C-plus, in my opinion. Um, they were okay, but nothing great. Uh, Levine Family Racing, of course, a solo cooperation. They ran the 95. They've closed operations at the end of this year. We wish Bob Levine and everybody on the team well. Uh, Christopher Bell was their driver. Obviously, Chris Gale, I mentioned uh, as the crew chief. I'm sorry, uh, Jason Ratcliffe was the crew chief there. I got confused there. Excuse me. Um, so they got off to a really bad start this year. Bell was in his rookie year, of course. Um, the team was in a lame duck situation. We kind of found that out. Um in I'd say the middle of the year. So, you know, to me that affects it, the fact that he was in a lame duck driver and a rookie year. I kind of maybe scored him a little bit lighter than than uh, I think people might expect. That's why I give Christopher Bell uh, a C-minus here. You know, again, his rookie year, um, I always kind of give guys, say, hey, you know what, it takes a little while to get your feet wet in the Cup Series. Lame duck team, a team that was, um, you know, not building new race cars, toward the, or maybe not even getting new race cars towards the end of the year. Not sure about that, but you know, they got off to such a rough start, and it wasn't anything I don't think Bell did. It was just they had some real bad luck there. And uh, with that, without qualifying, it is starting to rear a lot as well. They didn't have practice to sort of figure out, to get together in his rookie year, and I think that hurt him. So uh, I give him a C-. I'll go to you, Philip, next. 
Where did you have Eric? Jill, or, sorry, where did you have Christopher Bell this year? I'll give him a C, Clayton. I, I think you know when you consider Bob Levine had to go out of business because of whatever, whether it's Rev Gibbs, TRD, any number of things, his own COVID, all that. That's a problem. They had a horrible start to the year pre-COVID. Um, you know, Chris Bell has won in everything that he's driven over his entire career. Uh, he's been a Toyota guy. So the fact that he's been moved up to Joe Gibbs Racing proper isn't shocking. Uh, whether what he's going to do now that he has Adam Stevens will, will probably be interesting to follow. Um, but for this year with Ratcliffe and all that, you know, you know it, it was a rookie year and he had uh, a lot of struggles. Um, and relative to other rookies, it didn't seem like he was as good at times, but he also was um, later in the year, right there by the end of the year, it seemed like there are moments where we saw the Chris Bell that we saw in the trucks, Xfinity, driving a midget car, sprint car, uh, the kind of elite talent that uh, Toyota has been um, nurturing for many years. Oh, for sure, for sure. And uh, one of the great things we saw from the Lion family was that run at Texas where Toyota really figured out some things, and uh, they finished third and had a great run. He And it looked like Bell at one point was chasing down Martin Truex Jr. for second and was running the fastest lap times. I think the race sort of got away from him at the end where they really couldn't chase down Truex at the end. But it was still a solid run. It was nice to see them up there really competing for uh, a win, and it just makes you wonder if they could have continued into 2021 and 2022 what would have happened with that team where they performed a little bit better um, and been a contender eventually, like we saw from Barney Visser and Furniture Row and those guys over there, but we'll never know. And uh, Spencer, where do you have Christopher Bell's year before we move on to the Glum brothers and Daniel Suarez for our last driver of the night? Yeah, it was kind of a piss poor year for uh, LFR, you know, their last year, um, we didn't find that out until, I don't know, what would you say, midway through the season, three-quarters of the way through the season. Um, so, yeah, four DNFs, an average finish of 20th, point two, and only led three, 18 laps. Um, you know, you can look at it and say, yeah, it's LFR. Even Gibbs didn't run up the par, so why would LFR run up the par? Um, there was times where those flat tracks like Pocono and Indy, that Bell would have good runs. Um, but, you know, you have to run good all weeks and not just three weeks out of the year. So um, I think it was a season to get Christopher Bell's feet wet and then move right into Joe Gibbs, and that was the plan, and that's what we see happening. So um, with it being their last year, COVID, no practice, um, no qualifying, this and that. Um, For a rookie, kind of underfunded, I guess you could say. Probably a – the normal C. I mean, I think that's where Toyota is as a whole, is a C. So, just a C. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair, for sure. They they certainly have their, their odds stacked against them. But uh, he gets, uh, for me, at least a C minus C for you both of you guys. Last driver of the night, and uh, it's Daniel Suarez, guys, Gold Brothers Racing, obviously. When you look at the other five Toyota teams, they certainly don't have the um, the backing from Toyota. They didn't have the sponsorship. They don't even have a charter. They didn't really run with a charter this year. And uh, that is 
where Daniel Suarez ran his 2020 season. Now, missed the Daytona 500. That's a huge deal in my eyes. Um, they only had two top 20 finishes, three top 20 finishes, excuse me, all year, including a 20th at Indianapolis, two 18th place finishes, one at Bristol, um, and one at Kentucky, I believe it was, uh, in the middle of the year, as well, Kansas, excuse me, in the middle of the year. Um, so not a great year for Suarez. I think he ended up 31st in the points. I'll start with you, Spencer. What grade did you give Daniel Suarez? I think we uh, technical difficulties there um, for Spencer. But I'll go to Philip, then we'll come back to Spencer then when we get things worked out. How about Daniel Suarez for you, Philip? Um, again, I talked about Gaunt Brothers racing his, his team. Didn't have the financial backing, didn't have the support from Toyota like expect like the other five Toyota teams did. But uh, where, where do you think this season ranked for him? Yeah, and they weren't planning on running a full year either until middle of January. So they only had a month to start their season. They were running with way old equipment. Daniel Suarez came out and talked about that. Um, I mean, to be honest, here's I'm going to give him a, a, a C plus, and and this is like an overall thing. The reality is there's you really had no expectations. Outside of road courses, really, they weren't going to do anything. And super speedways, they weren't able to make the Daytona 500, which is a big problem uh, for a small team. And now with what's going on, being a non-charter team, it's going to be impossible. Uh, I think they had the three top 20s you mentioned, Clayton. Uh, the, The way I look at it, Daniel Suarez chose to run tailback in a cup car under the pretense that he could go and get something better. He has theoretically gotten something better because he is going to be in a, what would we would assume to be a much better funded car with a charter and they will have a connection with three other teams why he had no team, no teammates, and you would assume they'd be able to run top 25 on average week to week versus what he was running this year. So I think C-plus as an overall because it was like looking towards 21 and uh, beyond, it's worked out, I think, for Daniel Suarez relative to what other people may have been able to do in that situation. Yeah, it's tough to grade that. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm way, way lower than that. Um, I'm just, to me, uh, missing that Daytona 500 was unacceptable. And it's not anything against Daniel. Uh, and just the fact that they were so slow in qualifying. I mean, they didn't have a lot, that many teams to beat. And it was just kind of shocking to see just how off they were. And I get it. It was a first year running full-time for them. And they kind of, maybe got a little bit in over their heads this year running full-time, but, um, man, it was a tough year for Daniel Suarez. Spencer, you got a grade for Suarez? Yeah, that's tough to grade. I mean, it's it's a hundred-funded team. Um, they don't have much. Um, you know, we thought coming into this thing that, oh, yeah, Toyota TRD, they're going to put some money into it, and they're, he's going to run decent. You know, we and probably 25th. 20s 
Um, but that wasn't the case. You know, they started off the bat, missed the Daytona 500. I understand he got wrecked coming off turn four and hit the wall or whatever the, whatever happened. Something off turn four, he got in an accident and, um, you know, cost him the shot at running in the Daytona 500. And then we go there in July and he leads laps. Um, you know, stayed out front a good bit of a stage. Um, you know, you know they, anybody, they say anybody shows speed and can hang on to the lead at Daytona. Um, but your car has to be somewhat good enough to get up there. Um, you know, if you've got a car that won't suck up to the guy behind you, won't side draft good, this and that. Um, so, he, he, you know, you're like, man, that's a good run for them. But it's just so hard to grade a team that's normally running back there anyways. Um, you know, I'd have to probably see Parker Kligerman's stats to see where they ran compared to where Daniel ran to give him a, a you know, a better score. Um, but, yeah. He chose to run this and stay back there in the pack to find something, and he did. And that's sometimes what it takes. But this is Daytona 500. It's huge. You know, that's uh, that's a bummer. Then you go to Atlanta, and you go to take the green flag, and your car doesn't go on the green flag. And you're like, oh, my God. Um, You know, what's going on with this team? So, D-plus, I mean, it's hard. That team's used to running back there anyways, so. Um, yeah. not a good year. It it reminds me of the Boyer year with H. Scott. Just let me finish out yep. this year, and something something better is coming. You know, just I got to just get through this year. Go to the racetrack. It would really suck going to the racetrack, getting off the plane at the airport, going well. We're going home 30th today. Like that would that would stink. That would suck. And that's what he did for 36 weeks. Clint Boyer's been there. Plenty of drivers have been there, and, but um, it's sometimes it's price you take you end up with a job that you don't like for a little bit but d minus i guess d yeah i think the the the, uh the whole crime of it all for suarez was that he had a according to reports if you believe reports in the middle of the the off season last year he had some opportunities to go to rich each other's racing and run part-time in the xfinity series and there might have been some other uh, part-time options in xfinity where he could have won some races but elected to go here i think he had long-term visions for Toyota, and it kind of fizzled out. Uh, Gone Brothers even haven't even announced their plans for 2021. It sounds like, from what I'm hearing, they could possibly, or from what I read, I think it was on Twitter, they could possibly uh, go back to part-time deal and run that and, and stick with that. And that could be what they're aiming for, at least until uh, this new car comes in 2022, and then they can get their hands on a charter maybe and go at it and try and do what they did in 2020. Um, but we'll see. You know, it's – it's going to be interesting, but uh, yes, yeah, Suarez to me, I got to give him a D. It just um, was anything he did. I don't think it's him. It's a reflection of his driver. It's just that whole team this year just had a really tough year. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series guys, and I know I touched, I did a show on it last week about a couple of Xfinity Series drivers being hired to rides, but one is highlighted this week: Jeb Burton going to Colic Racing, driving the ten, taking over for Ross Chastain's car this from 2020. That car we knew was open. It was a big ride because Ross going to Cup, and he had a pretty good he had a pretty good year in that car. They have some speed. We know Colleg's got a relationship with Richard Childress Racing. Uh, start with you, Philip. What were your thoughts when you read Jeb Burton was taking over Colleg Racing number ten this uh, in twenty twenty one? I mean, I was I was happy for Jeb, and you see the video and how emotional not only Jeb was but his dad and. You know, listening to Ward Burton talk just makes me happy in general for many reasons. But uh, 
for Jeb Burton to get an opportunity. It's the first time he's been in a full-time ride. I think he was at the 32 uh, in the Cup Series. I don't know if that was full-time a few years ago. But the last full-time ride that I definitely remember him at was the Turner Motorsports 4-truck. And he won races and he finished top five in points. And ever since then, he's been in a struggle to find an opportunity. And that's crazy to me. You know, his cousin is on the fast track to probably being in a Toyota uh, Cup team. And I think Jeb is just as good, if not better. In a lot of ways, it kind of feels like the Austin and Ty deal there. Uh, I think uh, Jeb Burton's great with the fans. Um, I am personally uh, benefited in a sense because of uh, how good he is, him and his sister and um, the family in general. Uh, He's a good guy. Guy can drive. Is he elite? I mean, will we say Ward was elite? There's a reason there's people, you find your spot. Ward Burton did his thing. He won the Daytona 500. He won the Southern 500. At the end of the day, people are not going to, he's not, he's doing pretty well for himself. Uh, I think if if uh, Jeb got a real shot for a full season, which he's going to have now, I thought A.J. Allmendinger was going to get this ride, but it sounds like, He's going to continue to do TV. He's going to do the all those sometimes sports cars, sometimes Xfinity. He's kind of got the best of both worlds. He gets to do the TV. He gets to go and do the racing with Matt Colleg and all of them because Matt Colleg loves him. And once Matt Colleg moves up to Cup, he'll get to go and run the road courses in Cup. It'll be all great. Gets to be with his smoking hot wife. It's it. So it all kind of works out. All these guys that they're smoking hot wives like. Jeb Burton it is, and uh, it'll be cool to see him, and it'll be interesting to see how he does relative to what Ross did this year in the 10 car, and how, if there's any correlation, if, if Jeb's able to do better, what that would mean if he does the same, what that would mean, uh, but it's cool to see uh, him and Daniel Hemrick, they made that eight car, for all the bad things that happened to that eight car all year, both of them have full-time rides. So, I mean, I guess Junior Motorsports actually has is a vehicle to go and get better opportunities in that sense. That's, that's a great point. And, you know, you talked about Jeb and the fact that he hasn't had a full-time ride in a long time. You know, that is something that is true. And uh, the last – ride where we thought he was going to have a full-time ride was 2016 in the Xfinity. He, if you remember, he drove for Richard Petty Motorsports in the Xfinity Series, and it looked like that team was going to be a full-time ride. I think the sponsor backed out and it kind of shelved that program in the middle of the year, and since then he's been a part-time driver. But, you know, Jeb's the same, I think he's on the same level as Daniel Hemrick, in my opinion, and uh, a couple of other guys, Brett Moffitt, maybe, and, and Riley Herbst, who's their stock, he's going to go to the 98 car in, in the Xfinity Series. But, you know, Guys that have to prove themselves. Guys that this is a put up or shut up year for to me a Jeb Burton and for a, uh, a Daniel Hemrick. You know, they, you could totally make any excuse in the book, and I think they're relevant excuses for Hemrick, for Jeb Burton, uh, for a couple other guys. Where you sit there and you go, 
well, they've been part-time. They don't really get a full-time ride. The rides they've been in haven't been great. You know, we ran Cup for BK Racing, which was a disaster. Uh, we know that or whole story behind the organization. But you could make excuses for him. You could say, hey, listen, he's a young kid, still learning, doesn't have a ton of experience. All that's gone. He's now 28 years old. He's going to full-time ride in a very good car at Colic Racing. Same thing with Daniel Hemrick. This year is their year to perform, Spencer, in 2021. They have to go out and speak compete for a championship because that excuse of, well, they're not really, they're still young, they're still, you know, haven't been in a good ride. Those excuses are gone. This is the time to shine for Jeb Burton, and this is the time to shine for a guy like Daniel Hemrick. Uh, Spencer, what were your thoughts when you saw Jeb Burton in the 10 car replacing Ross Chastain? When I heard it, I thought, well, I thought AJ would have went there, but, um, you know, Philip pretty much summed that up, so uh, I know we're short on time. Um, I think he showcased his talent in the Junior Motorsports 8 car with um, the uh, the tractor sponsor, LS Tractor, on board. Um, you know, he brings sponsorship with them. He has uh, wa- uh, water heaters. I forget the company. Um, they've seemed pretty loyal to him. They sponsored Kurt Busch on the cup side you know, several years back as well. So they're familiar with sports. Um, so he has a little bit of funding. Um, and so, but when they, when they announced uh, Jeb, I was like, you know what? I think he, he, that's a good, that's a good go. Um, you know, like I said, he, you see him, he's so damn close on these plate races with JRM runs really good. Um, when he, when he's with JRM, pretty much any track he goes and you're almost like, man, I just want to see him get that win. Um, in the interview with the hidden camera, when they told him, it almost seemed like he thought he was going in there as a part-time deal because when they were like, Hey, you're getting 33 race schedule. He goes, are you serious? So he, you know, obviously he was there for something. He probably thought he was getting uh, you know, a few races part-time and they announced full time and, you know, he, he started crying. So he's worked hard. I haven't seen one driver's tweet on Instagram. That was negative. Um, it was all positive. You deserve it. And I think he does. He's ran for nice in the trucks. Um, can only run so good in those trucks these days. Um, it's not like last year. Um, so he went over there and, you know, did his thing there and ran pretty solid. Like I said, junior was a good opportunity for him. And that's another one of these deals. You just have to pick and choose these part-time deals and good things will come your way if you perform. I mean, and you can look at Ross that way too. He's ran in small equipment. He showcases stuff. And look, now he's with one of the biggest and richest car owners in the cup series. And he's going to have a phenomenal year next year. So, um, you know, I think Jeb's one of them guys. He's just going to have to pick and choose, and he landed a full-time run. So um, I think that's a great uh, deal for them. I don't know sponsorship-wise whether it's just going to be Nutrient Ag Solution. Um, I knew Ross had Nutrient Ag Solution all year and a few other agriculture sponsors, but um seems like Nutrient Ag, they're all on board with the hire, and they're ready to go racing. So we'll see. Yeah, I listen, I love Jeb Burton. I think – he seems like a really, really great kid. And it, but again, you know, the excuses are going to be gone this year. Uh, and I think they, I think him and Daniel Hamrick totally understand that. They say, you know, we wanted an opportunity. Not a lot of guys get this opportunity, even in the Xfinity series. But guess what? Uh, this is their time to shine. And the Xfinity is going to have a lot of that next year. It's going to be a very, very intriguing series next year to watch. Keep an eye on some of these guys. See who wins races. Who competes for the championship. And I don't think everything's announced, to- totally announced there yet, but it's going to be very, very intriguing. So, um, guys, 
great show tonight. I know we did the, the report cards. That was kind of, kind of a uh, a new thing we've done here on Talking in Circles. But uh, great job as always. And we'll see you next week here on Talking in Circles. We'll have an announcement about a, a, a future guest when we get everything lined up there uh, next week as well. So I uh, can't wait for that. We'll see you next time, guys. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.